Welcome back to Through the Rabbit Hole podcast. In today's episode, we have the lovely Ru'a joining us. Uh, I met Ru'a while she was finishing her studies in Jordan and got to know how extremely profound her thoughts on faith and the spirit are and thought what better way than to share them through this podcast. Um, and, you know, as some of you uh, that know us might have guessed by now, today's episode is around the theme of hijab and modesty. So, hi Huda, hi Ru'a, how are you guys doing this morning? Hello, I'm doing well, thank you, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Yeah. Thank you for the beautiful introduction, I got so emotional already, wallah. <laughs> I love how emotional you get all the time. It's like, it fills, it fills my emotionless gap. I'm like, yes, do it. do it for the both of us. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> uh, and Tud, how's everything going? I know you have work in a few minutes, so yeah, I know. not a few, but it's like, a, you know, half hour. Yeah, now. <laughs> now. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, alhamdulillah. I'm excited for this, actually. Really excited. Same. Okay, so uh, our lovely listeners, just so I can, you know, outline what we have for you today, we're going to start off by explaining our personal stories and how and why we wore the hijab. And then we want to segue into this idea of the commercialization of hijab as a thing. Uh, with the specific example of uh, last month's Modest Fashion Week in Dubai. <laughs> and um, uh, I don't know how you guys want to do it. Do you want me to start with my story? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't mind. Okay. Okay. Bismillah. Jazeen. It's kind of dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so basically the bottom line is I grew up in a fairly religious family, like not super orthodox conservative, but, you know, we grew up with Islamic teachings and reading the Quran and, you know, general expectations of modesty. So all is well until, you know, you start growing up and drifting away with new schools, new friends, new environments. And that's essentially what happened to me. I, I drifted away. So... Like, not in a way where there was a point of no return, but kind of really, really, really close to that. So it was around 17 that I had a change of heart. I mean, in my case, this change of heart was encouraged through a rather traumatic event, but it was there nonetheless. And, you know, generally speaking, modesty was never something I would have claimed as, like, prescribing to. I believed in God, obviously, but I hadn't faced him in ages. I was too deep into the social life with friends and you know, the, with the concept of my mortality was so far away from my consciousness that I lived aimlessly. And then that day came and I was involved in a car accident. I will spare the details because, you know, we're trying to get a lot in a short span of time. Um, but essentially I was left motionless in an ICU because I broke my hip and fractured my pelvis, you know, amongst other injuries, but they're nothing compared to that. And so this meant that, you know, my recovery journey would look like something like two months in a hospital bed and six months in a wheelchair and then one year on crutches. And the reason I mention this, because the main theme I, might hi I must highlight here is solitude. Solitude and not the actual accident were a major part of how I found God again and through founding God, I found spirituality. And so the first days in the ICU, I saw a lot of death that really brought on this idea that there is virtually nothing keeping us from imminent disaster. I mean, you know that scene in Hercules, the, the cartoon, 
where Hades has like this pit of like aimless souls drifting around and he chooses which one to cut with a string. It's kind of like that. And so life leaves you in less than a second. But yet, you know, for us, we cling to it with everything. And just being there alone, I realized that there is virtually no shelter from God, but towards God, but through God. And the rest of the days I got visitors that had been distractions from my spiritual journey earlier. And I look at them and question, you know, why, why is it that I was ignoring the nagging God-shaped hole in my heart for these people? You know, not that there is anything wrong with them. They're fine. They're lovely, but they're human. They couldn't mend the fracture in my bones so why would I hang my spiritual journey on their existence and the days went by and less and less people showed up and another tug at the void was made by their absence and so then I fell through this actual rabbit hole (laughs) with all the free time I've had I couldn't move and after I received the good news that I'll be able to walk again eventually you know a weight was lifted off and then I was like you know what I got enough hope to think of this whole ordeal in a positive manner. I began researching Islam as if I was hearing about it for the first time. And then I made the decision, out of love of my God, pure appreciation to the Creator for listening to my prayers before I fainted in that car, to please God, don't let this be too late. And then I wore the hijab. And that was the day the new me was born. Smith <laughs> Taylor Swift dramatic. <laughs> that girl, that girl is dead. <laughs> and, and so I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy. I felt super awkward facing everyone with a hijab on. I felt like I virtually had this massive pimple on my head that everyone just stared at. And, you know, people questioned me. They said I was just being dramatic. And this was a reaction to me being scared from the accident. And when the fear goes, I'll regret the decision and come back to my senses because how dare I cover my hair? (laughs) You know, bloody mortal shit, huh? Either way, I moved on. They moved on. The world moved on. Fast forward to now. And I can give you more concrete answers as to why I wore it. Are you guys ready? Here it goes. (laughs) So number one, the Shahada. So the Shahada is a contract with God, right? It's an attestation of faith that speaks to your natural born fitrah. I attest that there is no God but God, and I believe in his commandments and his prophets. And the contract means I look at the commandments and go, aye, aye, captain. (laughs) So that was one of that. Basically, nothing more than unconditional faith where you adhere to commandments as if they mean something. The second was that modesty was an integral part of faith. I know that I am unable to feel the presence of God moving through my jugular veins if I am not well-versed in the practice of modesty, because my faith fluctuates. Not only am I bipolar, but like every other hour, my faith is down and up, just like, you know, a heart rate on a monitor. And if I do not have the hijab on as a literal physical reminder of who I am, and why believe in, I can drift back into secular obscurity in a heartbeat. So it's kind of like a protection. Like if I wear it, I know that if my faith is low, I will not stumble into, um, how do I say this? Like a, let's say a bad place. I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> I will not, you know, I just, it, it regulates also the way people look at you as well. So it kind of filters out how people approach you. And so when your faith is low, you don't have the risk of, you know, the bad apples getting you. 
And number three is that modesty is zuhud. So I am unable to renounce the world if I am focused on the physical. That, my loves, is basically my answer <laughs> in a quick nutshell. And now it's your turns, I guess. Uh, do you want, would you like to? Uh, would you yeah. like to go? Yeah, yeah sure. Cool. Um, Let's go to. I just wanted to say, Sarah, that like you know, it, it's crazy because the, the we all have our own journeys with hijab, right? And That's and true. my my experience is nowhere near yours, but I I feel like there are, you know, the core of it, and in a way, is kind of similar. Because when you said solitude, that was something that was part of my journey yeah. as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah, and I th- I think that's where for for me that's where it all started. Um, okay. So I was like regarding my family and the people I'm surrounded by. I would say like I'm surrounded by um, uh, an accepting community, and it's it's like mm-hmm. no one tries to force their beliefs on me, and no one has ever tried to do that. And in mm-hmm. terms of faith as well, I feel like my family isn't the kind of family that would, you know, pressure me into hijab and we mm-hmm. wouldn't even honestly discuss it often, you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know where it all started, but I, I just know that I always wanted to do it when I left mm-hmm. school because I knew that it would be like a change of, of, of scene and like just an entirely different environment and it would be like a fresh start for me. So, um, in terms of like my school, I went to like an international school. So, so mm-hmm, that on mm-hmm. its own was, yeah, was, uh, girl, like, I get you. Yeah. So it, it does have its pros and cons for sure, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but you can easily lose your way along the way, you know? Um, mm. and, and the reason I feel like I wanted to do it when I was somewhere else was because I knew that it would mean like new faces, new places. And it would just be like me doing this for myself and for God. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I just, I think I was scared because, because what happened was I moved away and I, I think it was just all too much for me to take in like mm-hmm. that on its own and let alone have to make like, a lifestyle or, or like spirit spiritual change that people could like visually see. Yeah. Um, I think, so I put it aside for, for a while. And mm. then during my second year of university, so I had been alone for, for two years at the time. Um, it's, it's funny cause you know, when you're the most stressed or when you're going through um, the most difficult times, that's when you feel like, you need to make changes because it doesn't really hit you when you're in your happiest moments. Because yeah, it, it's sad, but, but a lot of the time we it, it, that does happen. So it was it was when I was the most stressed and when I was the most um, I think sad as well that I felt like the, there was something missing that I did want to change. Hmm. And that's when I had a dream that I wore the hijab. Oh, so wow. I was like, I was like, okay, so this was, this w- was like unexpected because I hadn't thought about it for a while. Mm. And then a few days later, and it was when I was doing my final exams. So like, I was like, okay, I'm, I had this dream, but I'm going to put it aside for a bit just until I, you know, I'm done with my finals and then I can like plan what I'm going to do with this. 
Um, But then during those, um, that final week or two weeks of, of the year, um, a friend messaged me and she's like, oh, I had a dream about you when you were sitting in class and you answered the professor's question and you were wearing the hijab. And I'm like, oh my what? God, I just got goosebumps. Wallah. And I was like, no, like this, there's no way this is happening. And it's weird because, because, um, recently I wanted to, you know, just remember what had happened. And I went through that chat and, yeah. and I was like, that, that's so weird because, First, I dream about it. Then that girl dreams about it. And then a few days later, I ran into a girl that I hadn't seen for probably a year at the time. And she's like, oh, like this is so random. But I had a dream that you wore hijab. And so that was, that oh was like, God. it was my dream. That was like a and trinity so, of just yeah. like signs. So those were the signs at the time. Okay. Mm. And I remember telling my family and I'm like, you, you guys like, I need to do this as soon as possible. Like these are all signs. <laughs> like I have to go through with this because I knew I wanted it when I left school. Right. And then I didn't go mm-hmm. through with it because of just all those changes that happened. So I felt like, Oh my God, I need to act on this as soon as possible. Um, so time, time, like time passed and I spoke to my family about it and I finished exams and I actually went, this was like, keep in mind, this was like four years ago. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I came back home. It was like summer vacation. And I, and I started with the process of like, you know, you, I have to get my hijabi wardrobe and get like this, this and that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was so excited for it. But then last minute I got scared and I was like, you know what, maybe I'm not ready for this right now. And looking back, so I wore the hijab, like long story short, I ended up not wearing the hijab at the time. And I only wore the hijab a year ago. Yeah. So, so. But that's amazing because it shows you that it's more of a journey than just a single destination. Exactly. So for me, I felt like now looking back, I'm so thankful I didn't do it at the time. Not because anything like my, my outlook on hijab didn't change and I still, you know, have I mean, cherish it in the same way that I did back then, but it's just, I don't mm. think I was a hundred percent ready or like even in it for the right reasons. Um, so, okay. Of course, like the signs where we're just crazy and like it all happened and like, you know, they were like messages from Allah that I could not ignore. Yeah. But, but I think that, you know, I grew so much in the four year span of when I initially wanted or like, that was the second time I wanted it after school. But mm. in those four years, I feel like I got so much more prepared for hijab. And I don't think I would mm. I would have wanted to do it in any other time. Just because right now we're in such a difficult I, w- I don't want, I don't know if I should say difficult, but it really is hard to be a Muslim yeah. woman in today's society. Mm. and right. especially, especially like an outward one like exactly so, so everyone can see it's like the first thing they can see about you yeah it's yeah, like okay yeah. this girl's a hijabi so this girl is muslim and is she like mm. extra religious because she puts she wears that or was she forced mm. was she not and then like just the criticism that comes with it and all that i don't think mm. if i wore it four years ago i would have been prepared to deal with everything that comes with being openly Muslim and, you know, right. people seeing your faith as, as mm. you know, 
just yeah, the first yeah. thing they, they see to about have you. it to to wear your beliefs that's that that needs bravery because um especially when you know a billion other people prescribe to the same belief and you're not sure if you want to be on their team <laughs> it, exactly and, uh, yeah i guess yeah, that's a good point so yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to like ramble on too long, but basically, basically that was my story, and I think also what made it extra special is that so many people contributed to me actually mm. feeling comfortable enough and and confident with my choice. So I had like mm. you know so many like cheerleaders in the back just cheering me on, and, and you know I love that. <laughs> yeah, mm. so. I, I don't think I would have gotten that support four years ago because I, I didn't have those people in my life. Mm-hmm. But but like a year ago I did and now I still do. And and I and I just am more thankful for their presence just because I don't think it would have been possible without them, you know? Mm, I so, love that. Yeah. I mean <laughs> like two things you pointed out that I think well actually three that I think are really awesome and it's the reason we did this episode uh the first one is that you know it's true what you said is that spirituality hits each and every one of us differently it's not a linear equation it's not set in stone it's not like what the white man would want you to believe like you know muslim women are they go into they start menstruating and then hijab. that's a fard their fathers beat them to it or i don't know what and then everyone has the same kind of you know, spiritual, um, spectrum, I guess. And it's different. And and that's what I like is that like, I think it's completely a different journey for each each and every one of us. And the second part is about, you know, um, the blessing, the true and, you know, honest blessing it is from God and for your, your being to be able to have the universe remind you and send you signs and yeah. um, I think a lot of people take that for granted, but it's definitely a true nama to have these kinds of daily reminders of, you know, the spirituality is a real thing. I know we are physical beings, but that comes in second. We were, you know, we were pre-eternal, not pre-eternal, God's pre-eternal, but our souls were there first and just to check in with that and think, okay, this is actually how the world works. It does work on Mandarin. And when God cares about me, he sends me messages and mm-hmm. I just have to be, you know, ready enough to listen. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And then the third part is about um, the cre- creating the foundational work to actually complete your spiritual journey. And you mentioned that, and I think that's very important is that, okay, sure, you can wear it, but without creating the correct and healthy base for it, it'll just crumble you and it'll just, it'll wear you instead of you wearing it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And so, yeah, these are the takeaways I have from your story and thank you for sharing it. Thank you for um, allowing me. Congratulations. Congratulations you. on your one year anniversary thank of joining us. <laughs> sisterhood. Thank you, thank you. I, I shouldn't say sisterhood. Interpol's gonna like come to my house <laughs> in a bit, but you know. <laughs> and now Huda, Huda, I'm excited to hear your side. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's funny, like when you were saying earlier, I think there's always some kind of link, even if the stories are so different, I think there is always some kind of link. So with mine, it's quite, obviously I was raised in the UK, born and raised in the UK, Mm -hmm. so, um, and also I was born and raised in Lincolnshire, which is, uh, 
now it's not as rural, but it was very rural when I was a kid. So it was all white, very, very mm. white area. Um, and uh, my family were quite religious. Um, my mum as well, the hijab for her was a really big deal because mm-hmm. and she was a kid and she tried to wear the hijab. In Egypt, nobody was wearing it. So when she wore it, when she was in school, it was a big statement and she was forced to take it off by my grandma and the whole thing. So for her, having two daughters, um, Mm -hmm. it was a really big deal for her, Mm -hmm. for us to wear it. And um, I had no problem with it. I initially wore it when I was 11. um, And it was a very, it's a very, very big change to make when you don't understand the changes that come with it. So Mm -hmm. you wear it teachers treat you differently kids treat you differently um it was and also around that time it was like a few years after 9-11 and after 9-11 happened here it Mm. changed everything for my sister and I especially where we were you know a lot of bullying it was really really difficult actually I didn't realize at the time looking back it was actually very unpleasant but no but no alhamdulillah like you know Mm. but that's still it's like it's not okay for that to happen I'm sorry. It's not, not, but you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah Mm, mm, (laughs) You just kind of get through it. And um, a few years later, so actually, I think a lot of my religion was attached to my mum. And uh, obviously, this isn't to be dramatic, it really is just because it's a big part of the story. When Mm, I was 14, mm, my mm. mum passed away. So, so a lot of things changed after that for me and you know a lot of other Mm. problems that were you know family related Mm. and I took off the hijab when Mm -hmm. I was 14 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again a lot of weird reactions with that as well most people didn't recognize me teachers that had taught me for years didn't know who I was oh wow so then I was like oh you see how it is so you just see it literally is just a a walking scarf you know they don't give you a Mm. they don't even give you the right to have a personality you know all of that is a you know a privilege if you wear a scarf yeah that's insane yeah it was really funny actually and they made a joke about it obviously because he mm. thought I was a new girl at the school even though it was my fourth year there <laughs> what a prick it's so <laughs> funny <laughs> and it's really funny yeah and he'd make a joke about it and I'd be like ha 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 and I'm thinking yeah obviously all the expletives mm. going through my head mm. anyway <laughs> um so I was going it was uh 17 I think and um, obviously, like with, like Sari, you were saying with Iman, it's wavering. And mm. I think mm. it's not about with your story about Iman wavering per se, but it's you have these moments of like strong confidence and then mm-hmm. some things happen or your mindset changes and the confidence goes away. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So I um, I wore it <laughs> again when I was in sixth form. And also mm. I was kind of preparing for the fact that I was supposed to move to London. And go, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of the university that Sal and I went to, there are a lot of Muslims there, and my sister already yeah. went there. So I was kind of excited to be around Muslims <laughs> yeah. my age that would yeah. probably understand to be on the same level. So I wore the hijab and I went to London, and mm. lo and behold, <laughs> my event <laughs> took a dive, I think. And it wasn't mm. because of everyone else. I think the mistakes that I had made. Mm. somehow just made the hijab seem so so difficult for me to wear I saw it I think you remember Mm. when I was going through this yeah and and you know what it was I think it was because we were because you know SOAS is very academic so we were really trying to turn ourselves into like objectives being objective beings you know what I mean 
and kind of like you know you do wear the hijab but you're like no but I'm like you know I'm not you know yeah, that hijabi exactly I'm yeah, like, yeah I can I can you know I can debate you on whatever I can hang I can do this I can do that and it chips away at you you know it takes away from your faith exactly. and it kind of shakes you because you're like well if I'm letting the hijab down I might as well just take off <laughs> yeah exactly and I think yeah on a you know personal level mm. along with that I think mm. it just ended up resulting in you know I just couldn't take it anymore and mm. I, I took mm. it off when I mm-hmm. was 20 20 I think mm-hmm. um and that was a big statement as well a lot of uh, Muslims in SARS didn't talk to me after that uh, yeah because because you got because you were excited to come to London to SARS because there are like more hijabis and Muslims yeah, than but in, I got bullied in the whole of Amman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but yeah. then you got the worst end of it it's it's that dark negative thing that the Muslim community has where it's like yeah as you said it's like wildly bullying mentality it's like yeah. a very yeah. exactly alienating yeah. it, is. And, it is yeah and I, I remember you getting a lot of that I think um when you're not from London and you socialize mm. with a lot of Muslims in London and they aren't used to it I think if you aren't strong enough you won't understand the dynamic that's happening and I think it can really affect mm. you on a personal level and it's not mm. because they're to blame they're going through stuff as well it's not been easy for them either it's just um mm you know, we aren't as nice to each other as we should be. But, you know, because I was looking at that as like a a removed third-party observer, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's always been about them projecting their insecurities onto you. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And it was so clear that most... Because, you know... I know you wore it back, you put it back on, and most of these girls that were talking shit took it off, like, literally... I think maybe two months after you put it back on. So it's it's not like anyone's safe from this. And yeah. that's why I'm saying like, you shouldn't talk first bad. Yeah, you shouldn't throw <laughs> yeah. stones because yeah. as we said, modesty and Iman is a blessing and that blessing could be taken away in, in a heartbeat. Exactly. So you, should, you shouldn't exactly. take it lightly. You shouldn't, you know, throw stones at other people because they can just ricochet back at you and oh, well, all of exactly. a sudden you're like, yeah. Exactly. And, and so yeah. I've always thought that these girls were talking about you because in their minds, they're like, I'm not happy with the hijab and I want to take it, but, you know, I'm going to get hate. So let me give this hate back to Huda. Yeah. 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 It was a- and um, I think, I think for me, sorry, um, no, no. I, no, I went please. like silent there, but, but um, <laughs> I, one of the things that scared me most about wearing the hijab yeah. At, at like an older age was because I I saw so many people around me taking it off and mm. and it's it's like no judgment to them but you know I was scared that you know maybe I'm not ready and maybe if I do this right uh, now maybe I will make mm. that choice as well someday you know yeah, and that just that just held me back I think for for longer than it should have and I think mm. that's why I got super excited about talking um on this mm. platform mm. it's mm. because you know, it, it faith fluctuates. Like, like Sara, you 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 highlighted. Mm. We okay, maybe at this point in my life, I am a hundred percent certain that, like, okay, yeah. there's no way I'm taking it off in the near future. But you, you, you don't know what you're gonna go through, and it's hard yeah. to yeah. to think about that. And it's even easier to criticize when it's someone else. When you see someone That's else so do it, exactly. But, you so know, true. you can be tested with with you know, even more difficult things and make even worse uh, decisions. So I think yeah. it's it's important to just remind yourself to just 
you know, focus on your own relationship with God mm-hmm. and how you can better your own relationship and not project those insecurities on other exactly. people because you don't know what they're going through. So yeah, I'm exactly. so sorry that you, you had to go through that. <laughs> no. And I'm so sorry for butting in. But, um, no, no. When, no. when you said about like moving to London and just what you went through, that also scared me as well because I'm someone that wants to study um, in the U.S. in the future. Ah, okay. And and I was someone that was in the U.S. when 9/11 happened, and my mom was. Oh. At, my mom is a hijabi, but like she she went through that. Um, you know, she faced yeah. criticism and backlash, and she was, you know, she went through her own journey, and I and she was someone that was always supportive of my decision, but she was also mm. someone that made sure to, yeah. to you know whether whether I'm certain and whether I'm a hundred percent confident with, with wearing it right now, because she, she knows how difficult it is to be a Muslim woman in the West. Yeah. And, yeah. and with all the Islamophobia happening, you know, it can get to you as, you know, as strong as your faith is right now, you never know mm-hmm. what the, the, what the outcomes yeah. of that will, will be. So that's yeah. so true. Yeah. I think you have to be okay. Cause obviously from, from what I'd seen, I was struggling with, not all of them, I had some really great friends in school, but I did struggle with um, a lot of non-Muslims and then I find Muslims and I was struggling there as well. So I thought, well, mm. if you're not okay in yourself, then mm. what, you know, how are you going to deal with any of it? Because you're not, mm. you, you're just, you're like, you're too fragile. Do you know what right. I mean? You're, you're kind of yeah. taking it all to heart without kind of taking a step back and looking at what you want to do and what you should be doing and then mm. separating that from what everyone else was doing mm, so yeah. um when I uh I, when I wore the hijab again it wasn't because it was very strange it was Ramadan um mm-hmm. and I I that year especially I've been reading a lot more Quran it was that year when I was kind of isolated from a lot of Muslims mm, who weren't mm. talking to me I was mm. reading a lot more Quran and I was um still hanging out with Sarah obviously but I was meeting a lot more Muslims through my sister that were just really genuinely nice people and were quite religious and they mm-hmm. took the hijab really seriously and they took the mm-hmm. deen really really seriously yeah. and um it was wasn't really like a conscious thing I was just reading the Quran and when it came to Ramadan mm. I was like it's getting to that point where I, if I don't wear it now I won't wear it and I thought, you know, it's mm. fard, and it was just a matter of jihad and nafs. And obviously, it's easier during Ramadan because you're kind of you're at your purest yeah. form. Yeah, um, the spirit is like you know elevate. It's at the it highest <laughs> alignment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it wasn't the same as the other time I'd worn it before, where it was um, mm. a matter of like like this uh, this really die like this dying need to wear it. I just mm. it was kind of more rational. And I mm-hmm. wore it, and Alhamdulillah, Sahil. And some there were a few times where it would be difficult, whatever. But I, I've never, mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, not struggled with it as much as I had done yeah. previously. Um, yeah. But uh, what a journey, eh? Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of ups and downs. I love that, but that's awesome because it's it's it, it wasn't. You know, I mentioned before this like point of no return zone, and yeah. it, you never crossed that. It was always like you know. I know what I want eventually is just trying to deal with like the environment. Yeah. And exactly. yeah. that brings us back to this general theme that we've all had in our stories of the importance of solitude. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can truly understand why like 
prophets have discovered God in, in, in caves <laughs> away from their people. Yeah. yeah. Because you truly need that, you know, alone time with the spirit so you can realign. And you can't see the signs. If Like Allah can give you all the signs in the world, but if you're not in a place to see it, then, yeah. you know, you're kind yeah. of lost, right? And I yeah. feel like when you're with the masses too much, mm. um, you're, you, forget you do become who too you are. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and also the other takeaway I took from your story, Huda, is the importance of surrounding yourself with good, honest, yeah. spiritual people that That's have so the yeah. fear of yeah. God at their forefront. Exactly, yeah. And that is so important because honestly, like, Anna, I see all the time, Yeni, when I'm with, well, non-Muslim friends, it's different because like, there's always that separation of like, just ethnicity to begin with yeah. like with, with Muslim friends like the secular ones there's always that this like drag you know it's just like this pull of you know the dangerous side like oh touch the fire <laughs> and, and you need you need to walk away from that and surround yourself back with like like-minded people just so you know you're you're in a comfortable place where you can explore with modesty without leaving it exactly and it's a reminder as well for you because you know if if you're left to your own devices or you aren't, you know, if you're surrounding yourself, even with the stuff you watch and listen to, if it's, if it's mm. not talking about Allah or, or, you know, reminding you in any way, then how are you going to remember? You are what you internalize, right? Yeah. So oh, that is, wow. Yeah. So you have wow, to that. Wait, that is, uh, that's awesome. You are <laughs> what, what you internalize. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna write that down. Okay. <laughs> That's you are what you internalize. Wow. What a takeaway, huh? Good things yeah. happen before nine AM. <laughs> <laughs> I must be at my best. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it's important that you know what what that circle teaches you sticks with you even mm. if at some point you have to just separate yourself from them for for re- like for example me like I moved back to and I don't I don't have that mm. um you know the people that are on the similar journeys with faith yeah. as I do yeah. right now so it's mm. it's like okay they my friends back invaded me and helped me get to where I am now but it's like how do I stay on the path that I I'm mm-hmm. at at this point mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there are things that kind of have been getting in a way but like just mm. trying to remind yourself to constantly just get back to to that like good place mm-hmm. is i think so just, yeah and i think i think that's what um god allah intended us to uh, do is check in with the self every you know you have to pray five times a day and every every prayer for five times you open it with ihdina ila siratul mustaqim meaning that there's always this god has always had the expectation that you're you're never going to stay on the sirat because life happens to you yeah and the fact that you're meant to ask for that as as a favor as a prayer to god to you know just guide me to the straight path guide me to the straight path yeah. five times every day for the rest of your life it kind of means that you know you're going to fall you're going to swerve you're going to go in different multitude of directions but at the end of the day if you keep you know getting on the mat and saying that prayer eventually god's going to send you signs and god's going to bring you back and hopefully it's it's um um yeah. it's it's a good kind of you know a slap on the wrist of like come back yeah. rather than you know something that's 
really traumatic and that's what we all pray for I guess yeah for sure for sure. Um, I don't know, Huda, I know it's nine now and you have to get to work. Do we have time to go into the second, like, ten more minutes or shall we call it a day? Um, yeah, I can do ten more minutes. I'll just... All right. I'll All right. On so they so. I'm online. Oh, God, I hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> They're going to make a joke. <laughs> also, because, like, you work in a, like, proper, like, you know... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like a real corporate firm. No, it's yeah. fine. They won't. They won't listen to this. Like what? Awesome. Hour in. Yeah. We love them. Do we? <laughs> Do yeah, we? I mean, you should. I mean, are you logged on already? Like, I'm getting. I'm getting on now. I'm getting on now. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, so just to segue in, I know we all talk, talked about our personal stories, and mm-hmm. all of our personal stories had nothing to do with the actual physical fabric of, like, yeah, you know, true. wrapping a scarf, like a physical scarf around your head. Yeah. yeah. And I know recently there's been like this insane need to just commercialize hijab you know with all these major brands doing you know an offshore label for hijabis and you know Dolce and Gabbana have abayas now and um all these like um hijabi Muslim girls are on the cover of um, like fashion magazines and whatever and it just I don't know why it doesn't sit well with me because the idea of zuhud has been a major part of why I adopted the hijab and for me I think the message conveyed and conveyed from hijab and spirituality is this right the worth of my being is to be measured by my soul and not my body so that modesty means that there is a value superior to the visible yeah. So, you know, spirituality is modesty, not mm-hmm. merely in the physical sense, but, you know, in the intellectual and emotional sense. Yeah. And so for me, modesty is about liberation. It's not about criminalization or, you know, um, uh, closing everything off. It's about, you know, liberation of myself and my sexuality. It is um, about ownership over your sexual energy. It is empowering. It does not close me off it rather just gives me the choice of you know sharing these details with selected people so when it is turned into something that is sellable I think I have an issue with that and I think that's I think the triggering part was you know the modest fashion week um, that happened in Dubai a while back where I don't know, like I looked around and I saw nothing modest about it. It was, there was nothing humble. It was like grand and exaggerated and focused on the face and the body and the, and the, what people were wearing. And, you know, it, it didn't discuss these women's intellect at all. And it just, I'm just really scared that like we're turning this into something that is completely not. And what do you guys think? (laughs) Um, I th- do you want to go? No, I'm thinking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was hoping you would save me. I was thinking. Oh. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, Ro, if you have anything. That yeah. Um, no, I think if, if it gets to a point where it's like solely for like financial gain off of, of the idea of what they think modesty or the hijab represents, I, I, would disagree with that of course but see like 
if if it were for the purpose of you know benefiting the average hijabi muslim woman mm, mm. then maybe i wouldn't have a problem with that just because you know of course i agree with everything you just said but at the end of the day I needed the new wardrobe at that point when I first <laughs> yeah. when I first yeah. like made yeah. the decision to wear the hijab. Yeah, the and it, real. Yeah. and mm-hmm. it was it was hard for me to find something that that I I wanted to wear and you know where 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 do I start looking? What places are mm-hmm. are gonna have shirts mm-hmm. that are long enough or or you know mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. pants that are yeah. not too tight and and then you know so yeah. it, it was some it is something that that is a challenge when when mm-hmm. you know you know at the end of the day. But mm. you know, if if it was, if it really did benefit me as a Muslim hijabi woman, I really w- would have no problem with it. But I honestly mm. did not even hear about Bodice Fashion Week until you told me about it. <laughs> so like, hey, I was life. looking, and I, I, who knows this? I can be like proper judgmental, and it's something I'm supposed to work on, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, honest to God, it pissed me off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, what do you mean? It's okay. I understand your point, and I get that because, like, you know, H and M having like a modest line and Zara as well and you know just everyone paying attention to modest fashion wear and having that on the racks regardless of what you personally would feel about fast fashion Mm. that's that's kind of amazing because you do have an outlet where you can go and you have to you can buy something that's modest without layering it like five times exactly (laughs) yeah it's hard yeah but then yeah, but then there's this 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 no, I'm sorry, but then this, this there's this like I don't know sickening idea of having to look pretty while wearing the hijab, like this a notion of femininity. It's it's super. I don't know. I don't know what to to say of it, but it's it's not okay. It's like I hear all these young girls being like, I really want to wear the hijab, and I know that when I wear it, I'm gonna I'm gonna look great while. We- Who cares about how you look like while you wear it? It's a religious commandment. It's it's about renouncing the world. It's about having less. It's about paying to the internal part of you rather than the external. So I don't understand this constant need to always look like you're a beauty queen as a Muslim woman. Otherwise, you know, you're not really up to standards. And I just, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, no, it's, no, I get, I get, no, I get where you're, where you're coming from. Um, mm. but Hala, I, I personally, I was scared, not because I didn't know if I would look good enough, Best, mm. because that's what people look at I think yeah. I think that just what made me like oh my god am I gonna be accepted am I mm. are people gonna think like less of me are they gonna mm. you know judge what I what I wear more more mm. like more like you know hardcore yeah. Yeah. best yeah um and, and I think also alhamdulillah this is not something I struggle with but I have friends who are actually considering taking it off because they want to mm. look good. Yeah. And, and I think that defeats the purpose of why we wear the hijab in the first place. Like, okay, mm. it's nice to, you know, feel comfortable in, in what you're wearing or, you know, mm. but for yourself, like I, I don't feel the need to, sh- you know, showcase or look like, you know, wow, the people I'm going to be meeting as long as I feel accepted. And I think that's mm. where we mix you know the the that it's like there's a fine line between yeah. you know those two yeah um, i agree so i think it's 
it, it is something people struggle with, but mm. it, it's important to just remind ourselves why we choose to wear it in the first place. And, and at the end of the day, as, as difficult as it is, and we all have our own challenges, but it, it's for mm. Allah. It's not for, you know, Allah's not going to gain anything from me wearing hijab. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's for me. I, I mean, yeah. yeah so I think, I think for me, it's cause I don't know why I have this. Okay. It's part of like my, like weird, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like this weird, um, higher purpose feeling that I have. Like I often think of myself as like, you know, I, I've got this greater calling where like it's all or nothing and it's about saving the world and everything's supposed to be meant more than what it actually physically is. And so for me, the hijab is the same thing where it's like, well, but you can't just wear it because it's, you know, it helps you pray and what is you in it? Okay, you can. But at the same time, if it doesn't fit into the greater picture of Islam's need to, um, abolish the individual and fit you into the community and how you can save your community and help your community and just, you know, feed into all of these different things that we're meant to be doing, then what are you doing it for? Like if, if it's just about covering your hair, then you've actually missed the whole point because who cares about your hair? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, I know a lot of people joke about Muslim Muslims in general thinking that, you know, um, uh, sexuality is about what you show of the body and like if you shake hands with a man that's like oh my god like you moved his sexual feelings and everyone's like oh my god you guys are so funny like stop being like that and stuff but it's not that it's just about Muslims oversimplifying Islam explaining it that way and it yeah. completely isn't it's it's not about you know I wear the hijab because you're meant you're not meant to think of me as a sexual being no I wear it because I'm giving myself back the choice to show you what I want to show you, first of all. Second of all, it's about regulating the community and the public life of general beings. And so, right, here's where we go into the extreme point part. Are you ready? <laughs> and so for me, it's ready. like, okay. okay, nowadays we've got a major environmental issue, right? You know, plastic is insane. Um, we're virtually, you know, raising the temperature of our planet by the second and we're going to burn ourselves alive if we're not careful yeah. and then part of my muslim faith and the fact that i wear the hijab so i prescribe to the outwardly is me taking care of the environment because it's what god created for me and so if let's say i prescribe to fashion and i'm buying makeup it means I, and like i don't necessarily need makeup to survive it's not for my you know sustainability and so let's say I use um, 50 tubes of lip gloss plastic uh, uh, every three months or something. That's me, you know, doing something that is not needful and not even like remotely um, uh, integral for my um, spiritual journey. And at the same time, I'm adding to like consumerism and mass consumerism, which ultimately just destroys us all. Do you know what I mean? And, and I do that the same with like what I eat. Like if it's not a conscious effort to select where you go buy this and you do this and you do that. And if you're not constantly checking the effects you have, and especially when it comes to fast fashion, if you're like so into that, then you're kind of, you know, there's this whole issue of like sweatshops and, you know, what I mean, it's like these social issues that you're meant to, 
you're meant to back. You're meant to be the backbone of because of who you are as a Muslim, because of what Islam means in terms of saving the community. And if you're too far into that, I feel like you're risking the whole picture of why you wear the hijab. It's not about you. It's not about how you look like as an individual or do you know, I mean, am I making sense? I'm probably, I, yeah, I, know, I know it's, it's proper extreme, but yeah. No, I know what you mean. I think it's, I think where you're coming from, and there are certain people that I think this works for, this is the only way that they can stay true, even partially, to mm. to their faith, where it's this like all or nothing mentality. Mm. And the thing is, if we look at our lives in general, a lot of the things that we do, in all honesty, are not necessary. Even the mm. kind of kinds of jobs we go for are not That's necessary. True. We're not we're not mm. just trying to earn money to survive we want to earn more money to have it you know what i mean it's yeah like we're no longer hunter gatherers yeah exactly and the thing and i think you have to look at where the fine line is is the fine line Mm. for example in like the thing is with modest fashion week like what i was saying i didn't know that it was a thing until you sent me the stuff (laughs) and then i was and then i was like okay this clearly is not made for me or probably the everyday muslim Mm. Do you know what I mean? This is made mm. for people that want to live an extravagant lifestyle. And if they have decided to, and they're making money off of wearing the hijab. Yeah? Mm, yeah. And if a woman wants to wear the hijab in a way that's ostentatious, mm. I don't know that that is, um, I, would I say that that embodies the meaning of modesty to attract mm. attention in that way? I'm not I'm not sure that it would it would make me uncomfortable like I yeah, like it yeah. would make me uncomfortable with anyone doing something ostentatious and showing off their money I just I don't know what the point would be mm. but I don't know if like I remember when I first wore the hijab when I was like 11 and I mm. looked ridiculous because all you did were you just layering <laughs> on, like what I was saying layering on layering on layering and you also layered the scarves yeah I can style them. Yeah. Yeah. and like and like it's, <laughs> it's all the way up like like an inch away from your eyebrows yeah, the zonk, <laughs> well, yeah exactly like it was only like a slit to see yeah. to see your face I mean, the whole, yeah. it was just a mess yeah that being said obviously it meant that when you were wearing it because it was a struggle to wear it practically mm. then it meant that you really wanted to wear it right mm, mm. and that, I don't think there's anything wrong with making the hijab more accessible through clothes and, and, mm-hmm. and also for people to also, to a certain extent, wear what they actually like, right? Like it's not, mm-hmm. not everyone's mm-hmm. a monolith, you know, everyone has a different style based on their personality, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think when it, it starts to go a level further where you are looking for people to look at you a certain way and that mm-hmm. goes for makeup as well. Mm-hmm. I think you just have to think about what image you are, yeah, you are consciously yeah. putting across. I yeah. agree. I, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, me, but me. Yeah. And also, do you know what gets me as well? Yeah. Um, when that kind of like fashion forwardness is used as a way to judge Muslims, like yeah. Muslim girls judging other Muslim girls and like, well, okay. So, you know, cause like usually where I'm from, where I live currently, I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to end up in prison, but um, there's usually like this vilification of being orthodox, like, you know, wearing the habaya or the jilbab or whatever, or even like the face covering. It's usually like, oh no, that's, we don't do that. That's extreme. Like, oh my God, we should all like be against that. Like, you know, like how, oh, we should show the, usually 
where I'm from, the West is America. It's nothing else. And usually it's like, oh, we need to show them that, you know, we're different. Like, it's not like what they show in there. And, but what if it is? What if it is? What if, what's wrong with a woman? Because of this inferiority complex. Yeah. You can only, you can only like show your faith when you want to show them how appealing it is. And it's not restrictive. And it's not this. I heard that. I heard that a lot from Muslim women where they're like, you know, all I know is when I wear the hijab, I would never wear that. Like, well, what's what? wrong with you? That's so weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's like, why are you putting yourself in? Actually, do you know what I think that is? It's 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 colonial heritage. I think, yeah, I think we. I think I think in our bizarre, there is like with this like resurgence of faith, if there is one, there is this need to kind of compensate for what they actually think is quite limiting. Like they, yeah. they think the hijab is actually quite limiting and it's a really big sacrifice. And, right. um, and I think, yeah, there is this need to kind of compensate with like to show yeah. non-Muslims that we can live life well as well. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. just don't understand yeah. why they're part of the equation. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like if you don't want to wear the abaya, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that you have to vilify the woman wearing the abaya and say that's not Islam. Like yeah. that's not. And I no. think that that's what pushes people away eventually, whether it's mm. someone that's already a hijabi or someone that wants to wear the hijab, but is just a bit, you know, hesitant because yeah. of everything. Yeah. And like I and also what you guys said about al- always feeling the need to prove ourselves to like mm. the West. Yeah. And yeah. Why, why do we have to do that? I know everything we do is reactionary. It's It's based on their opinion of us. Yeah. And it's it's really sickening. It's like, oh, we have to show them that we're peace loving. What the heck does that even mean? Like, I'm sorry, I'm so, that they're peace loving anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm it's like, oh, their armies um, are for what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah. for, for giving off flowers. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh no, you can't be too political in your speech because they're going to think you're that kind of Muslim. Who cares what they think? I'm trying to fight for my people. What What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's um oh i'm sorry did i hurt your feelings do you think i'm a terrorist i'm so sorry i don't care <laughs> think whatever you want to think as long as we have muslims that are dying i'm always going to speak out against that regardless of what you think of my being it makes no difference yeah no. i think it's uh it's a strange thing it's a it's a strange thing and i think because we consciously know it but you do find yourself I don't know when I'm put in situations where I can see it happening or the conversations unraveling a certain way. Mm. There is this, not this tendency to appease anybody or to appeal to anybody, but just to kind of go under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> like you yeah. don't want and to just to keep be, stand peace. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like you don't oh, want to stand God, out. Yeah. Not today. I'm just trying to have a coffee, Habibi. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm not here to, you know, talk about, I don't know, like why the prophet had several wives you know yeah just exactly relax. like not every day like warrior just some yeah it's <laughs> just yeah. like i'm just trying to <laughs> yeah. and it's not even it's not even just the conversations i feel like it comes like i was on vacation a few months back and mm. it was my first time actually second but it was mm. it was the first time that i felt like i was being looked at in a different way mm. just from yeah. people around not even someone i was interacting with it, they were just mm. you know People, strangers people in the background like why are you looking yeah. at me like that <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like it 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 gets to a point where it's like you're scared for your safety you're scared for 
yeah. you know do I need yeah, to that, leave it just yeah. makes you uncomfortable and and it's it puts sad. you on edge it, it genuinely turns you into like an angry being because like me and her have had this because we vacationed in Jordan like to all the like you know yeah. like beaches and stuff and it genuinely like it just makes you angry like you're trying to be on holiday you're trying to have fun and when people are just really staring at you and it's not you know it's not out of curiosity because like you know if if yeah, if sure. let's not talk about like people from the middle east let's talk about like white people if they can if they can understand let's say the people from the Maasai tribe and just you know be fascinated by that and just not give it a second thought why can't you just deal with the fact that there's a woman that wears a scarf around you? Like just wh- why do you have to stare? And then you're making me angry that you're staring and I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm feeling awkward and I just want to feel normal. Yeah. And yeah, I know exactly what you, what you mean. Yeah. It's, uh, it's never ending in a way. Cause you're always being scrutinized, but on both sides of the coin. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I think yeah. you just have to kind of, but to be fair, yeah, yeah, Haram, and to the Ashan Ksir Hakena and white people, which I always tend to do. But to be fair, yeah, I've, I've, um, oh, I was talking more about Muslims as well. Oh, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, and I just, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, in London, yeah. I've yeah. never felt more okay because I felt so, yeah, I just felt so in tune. That's with, what I mean. Yeah. And then when it came back to Amman, it's where I was like, do I have something on my face? Like, why is everyone? Oh, just... the Sarah. Yeah. I only lived in Amman for what, like nine months, and I was yeah. like, "What the? What yeah. the heck?" It was just yeah. very intense. It's very intense. Mm. In the Bitlahsi, and everyone is. You're just walking through the mall, listening. Oh, you're mm. in a store. You're just buying groceries. You're doing something. You're in mm. a lesson, and there is a lot of scrutiny over if you wear the hijab how you wear it you're supposed to speak a certain way act a certain way mm. that has nothing to do with religiosity like it's just personality right but mm. is scrutinized and it's yeah. to the point where it can be a bit if you're if you're not strong enough it can be a bit suffocating yeah because mm. it lacks respect you know especially when they when they have these like you know snarky comments i get those all the time especially at work where like people are like kind of you know making these sly comments at the fact that you're religious or like just religious people in general or you know why you wear the hijab and people that wear the hijab and then they act like you're not there and they have this sort of aura about them they're like oh no you don't count as one of them because you're with us so it's fine (laughs) yeah but they've got they have man they've got courage They, they 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 don't hold back the stuff I've heard here Jeez Louise. I mean, at least like, at least in London, if someone wanted to talk crap about like religion, I mean, they do it behind my back or they would do it in front of us in an academic way, which is like, <laughs> fine, I don't care. But, but when it's to your face and it's so, so obnoxious, yeah. obnoxious and yeah. patronizing, it's like, oh my goodness gracious. But yeah, I think, uh... I think everyone, it's just really funny because I think everyone, if you, if some of you actually sat down with somebody and you're having this kind of conversation, right, where it's mm. really deep and whatever, mm. I do think a lot more people would be receptive than we think. But the, it's mm. the problem is it's like these mini interactions where mm. it's like, a, it's like a reflex. Yeah. So it's, it just comes out and it just, you feel like there's a lot of hostility. Yeah. Um, but I would, I think, and I hope as well that that isn't the case if you were to actually sit down with somebody and, yeah. you know. Yeah, inshallah, we're like overgeneralizing. And as Ru'a said, you know, you find your people everywhere. 
So yeah. you just yeah. got to look hard and just stick to that. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but just one last thing I wanted to yeah, add. A kid. No, a kid. Um, I feel like it's, it's so nice when it's, it's support from a non-Muslim. It, it like me. It it's like yeah, extra it special is. when it's. Oh, tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, like I have, I have a friend here who's who's a devout like Christian. Yes. Yeah. It's like the values are are the same. Yeah. Like I can talk to her and she might mm. understand me more than someone mm. who's Muslim. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, oh, yeah, it's akhlaq. Like it's just when you're on yeah. the same wavelength. In terms of principles and whatever that can be with a non-Muslim, come on, it's about accommodation and like you know being valued as a human and shown respect and attention. So like with my Muslim friends who are you know secular, they they don't practice. Like usually they'd ask to meet in a place that would have alcohol or like. I, they'd have to check my ID before I walk in and I'm like, why would you put me in what, that situation? Really? <laughs> yeah. And it's always been that way. It's like, you know, I don't know. And then with the non-Muslims, it was, it was always like, Oh, uh, uh, don't worry. We picked a place that serves halal food. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's different. Yeah. And it's nice. Cause, cause you know, it, as as much as we talked about the struggles, it comes with, you know, people wanting to listen to, to you know, oh my God, why can you like tell me a bit more about hijab and like mm. why you chose to wear it? And mm. they want to hear you. It, it's, it doesn't happen like often, but mm. sometimes it does. And when, when those moments happen or you come across them, it just sticks with you. And yeah. I feel like that's what, that, that's like the push that, that, you know, gives you the strength yeah. to carry on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that was that's a very good positive point to end on, and also like you know when you're traveling and then you, everyone's you're you're probably the only hijabi and then another hijabi <laughs> yeah. another hijabi appears and you're you like, have oh. that like you have that <laughs> eye contact <laughs> yeah just like yeah I recognize you girl <laughs> and that then nice. you yeah. say salamu alaikum and she says salamu alaikum back and it's like oh gosh butterflies yes that's funny yeah <laughs> No, but it's true. Ho, when you the thing is like you can get a really nice community feel from it, and like when people are, you know, you meet another Muslim and they mm. even something small like I don't know, like if you buy a coffee and they let you have a coffee, which is like a pound oh, for free or something yeah. like that, just yeah. because you know they see an anti-Muslim. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's nice. Like the perks outweigh the yeah. The cons, that's true. For sure. That's yeah. true. Like, yeah, and I think the co- the cons just come with ajr and and that's where it all Zoft, just adds up. Yeah. Oh yes, Zoft, yeah, yes, yeah. atonement. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. guys, this was really nice. I'm sorry, I know we said just ten minutes, but like, yeah, I don't have ten thirty. <laughs> yeah, I'm like multitasking through my emails. I'm online. I'm online, so nobody yeah. can say anything. Okay, right. good, good. And I don't know, just talking to you guys felt awesome. So that's why I dragged on. It's just I really enjoyed this. I'm, uh, I'm one so of glad. my it's really nice to have you. Uh, honestly, it was really thank very you. nice. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. It was really nice being here and just being able to, you know, connect with you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, hopefully we can have more of these in the future. And uh, thank you to our listeners if they've made it this far. I hope they have because... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, if if you did make it this far, we hope to see you in 
future episode, probably um, next week. And until then, I wish you all pleasant tides ahead.